This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The following podcast contains explicit language, by which we mean potty talk. It's Monday, October 30th, 2017. From Slate, it's The Gist. I'm Mike Pesca. The media were calling it Indictment Monday. Because, you know, there's going to be an indictment and it is Monday. But it had the whiff of anticipatory glee. It evoked Black Friday, a stampede of American consumers madly scrambling for deals, or Fat Tuesday, a stampede of drunken yabos frantically scrambling for beads. Here, the frantic scramble was to see who would be indicted, and the answers were one obvious choice, Paul Manafort, one deep cut, Manafort minion Rick Gates, and one out-of-left-field, late-breaking figure, George Papadopoulos. What does it mean? How about... Here's the answer for all this. Ready? We'll see. We'll see. I like we'll see. We'll see what it means. In fact, I love we'll see. Because I'm not turning backflips or doing handsprings about these indictments. Anyway, those are not part of the traditional Hopak or Cossack dance. I am, however, comforted by one aspect of Indictment Monday. Or really, I'm comforted by everything within the purview of Robert Mueller. And it's this. It's not subject to subjectivity. No matter what Trump's approval ratings are, Mueller will prosecute his case. No matter if the White House tries to run interference with misleading tweets or statements, Mueller will prosecute his case. No matter if Congress pretends to be very, very concerned with Uranium Gate, the dumbest non-scandal since contrails, Mueller will prosecute his case. No matter what the Fox and Friends have stuck in their craw that day, Mueller will prosecute his case. No matter who kneels or what statues come down or what an ESPN anchor tweets, Mueller will prosecute his case. Living in the time of Trump is never feeling like you have solid ground beneath you. It's a farrago of disinformation, distracting. Sometimes they're outrageous bits of information that flit across your consciousness, but take away your attention. And none of that matters. Mueller's building a case. The grand jury, and then perhaps a jury, will be made to sit, and they will have to pay attention to the evidence, and then we'll have some answers. So good. I don't know if it's the end of the beginning or the beginning of the end or what. I do know it is the one injection of solidity into the crazy politics of the moment. On the show today, I spiel about a never-ending baseball game and an offer within it, which pretends to be more expansive than it is. But first, Maria Konnikova is here on All Hallows' Eve Eve to see if that fright wig you're wearing has an organic origin. Can an extreme scare cause white hair? How about baldness? 
What about that bangs and blonde extension thing that one girl from Two Broke Girls had going seasons one through three? Okay, we're not even going to tackle that one. But the rest is on Is That Bullshit? Harry Scary Edition. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. As we know... Halloween, All Hallows' Eve, it's the spookiest holiday. But the question about Halloween and about things that are scary is, yeah, it's fun to get a little scared. People pay top dollar to go to the cinema to be scared. I believe that's uh, due to some sort of primordial need for fear. But can you be scared to death? Or is that bullshit? Wait a minute. Once those words leave my lips, it, like the bat signal, conjures the one and only Maria Konnikova. She is the author of The Confidence Game. She comes on this show to uh, test scientific or quasi-scientific or paranormal claims. Hello, Maria. How are you? I'm doing well, Mike. Feeling a bit scary since Halloween's right around the corner. Halloween's right around the corner, or depending when we air this, just happened, or as we know is today. What are you going for for Halloween? I'm always a witch. A witch? I mean, you know, I feel like the best Halloween costumes capture your personality. I'm going to be an APC. I got the APC costume today. Yeah, the C is costume, so I don't want to be redundant. But since my son, one of my son is going as the, uh, he's a hot dog and we're putting challah bread on him. So he's the <laughs> Halloweener, you know? And the other one just wants to be a penguin. But I'm going That's to, kind of amazing. Yeah, but I'm going as the APC. Ah, Excellent. Don't you have to ask what the APC? What, do you what want? is the APC? Oh, that's the adult penguin costume. <laughs> I bought an adult penguin costume to go with my child penguin costume. So the APC came in the mail. I'll show you some pictures. Pretty All right. good. Excellent. Pretty good looking penguin costume. In fact, when I show you these pictures, I'm a little worried that you might be frightened, okay. if not frightened to death. But is this a thing? So from the beginning of the medical literature, you have people scared to death where you weren't really sure what happened, but suddenly someone dies and something scary happened. And so they say they're scared to death. But this was before autopsies, before we knew that much, or before very scientific autopsies, before we knew that much about coronary disease or what in the world was going on. And so this became kind of a common legend, but not necessarily anything that had any science before it until the 20th century when people started saying, okay, is this a thing? Can they probably said it I differently be, at the yes. time. That's more of a modern phrase. Yes, yes. Can this be can this be categorized confidently or whatever they would say in 1902? Anyway. I did, well, I although I found a series of articles in 1966 yeah. called Scared to Death? Question mark, oh. With all these case histories that okay, doctors cool. sent into a medical journal about different patients who they said. Spooky journal. Exactly. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was it was actually um, also the New England Journal of Medicine. Oh, um, okay. And I thought uh, it might be JAMA. And, and JAMA, actually, oh. and JAMA. This happened in both. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so you're good. So we've got both of these. And so there was this guy, Walter Cannon, who was the first to kind of document the fight or flight response in the body. Fight or flight, yes. Exactly. Adrenaline. Exactly. Rush of adrenaline. Exactly. So our autonomic nervous system immediately responds to threat. This helps us get away from lions when we're cavemen. Our heart rate goes up. Our pupils get dilated. Our blood flow increases. And all of this is channeled through adrenaline, mm-hmm. right? We have this huge release of adrenaline. Yes. fills our blood, makes all these things happen. So can adrenaline also be bad, right? Adrenaline can help us escape the lion. But what happens if suddenly you see a vision of a lion hovering over your bed and you shouldn't really escape it because this is just a dream or a vision, but can the adrenaline response overwhelm you? And so what can end up happening is when your system is overwhelmed with adrenaline, especially if you have heart disease or some sort of heart defects, it can lead to heart failure okay. or immediate cardiac That doesn't arrest. surprise me. A huge surprise, a huge shock, I guess. Can so so that, can actually, that can actually happen. And so in that sense, yes, you can be scared to death because if you have this huge rush of adrenaline, and especially if you have a heart defect or a heart problem or coronary disease, it can lead to your heart being overwhelmed and to you dying and having a heart attack. And so sudden cardiac death can result from overwhelming stress. This is actually really, really hard to study. Right? Yeah. What are you going to do? Are you going to give people with you know bad hearts? Are you going to bring them into a lab and try to scare them to death and I see would, what happens? But that's my commitment to science. <laughs> Others might differ. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I would disclose so- this might be spooky. And if I say it in that voice, <laughs> I think that they would get the full effect. They, they'd really understand just how scary yes. it would be. But yeah. Yes. So one of the things that scientists tried to do is, okay, well, can we study like big scary events? So like horrible earthquakes right. or terrorist attacks right. or- Battlefield Earth release. Yes. Or yes. sports events. Oh, okay. When- well, because you're very into your sports team. Oh, and if something, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Adrenaline causing sports events sure. when, like the World Cup of Soccer, for instance, right. in Europe. Which luckily America yeah. will n- avoid that scare next yes. time around. Yes, yeah. exactly. So they, they start looking at that data and say, okay, do we see an increase in heart attacks, basically, and in death um, from heart attacks and from those types of conditions after those events? And it seems like we actually do. Um, so after the 1994 Northridge earthquake in Los Angeles, which was one of the first times this was really documented, um, the incidence of heart attacks went from 4.6 in the week before to 24 the day of in that immediate area, which is a pretty high increase. Mm-hmm. Um, in Kobe, Japan, 1995 earthquake, you had something similar happen. Um, so then you, you kind of start seeing that, okay, maybe... Maybe this is a thing, but once again, it's it's hard to know. Then they look at things like the Gulf War um, in 1991 in Israel, and they say, okay, does something like this actually change heart mortality? And it ends up that there was a 58% increase in mortality on the first day mm-hmm. of the missile strikes Not in Israel. Not missiles. No, yeah. no, no, no. Just of natural. Norming yes. for missiles. Norming for missiles. Yeah. Norming for missiles. Not because people like were that. actually getting That's killed. A good album name. But here's here's my problem with those studies. How yes, there does are lots it, of- <laughs> I, I would believe that stress would contribute to sure. heart disease. But, you know, stress could be 
uh, ongoing and stress could be. It's not as if the, the event itself might be shocking or cause you to gasp. It might be of a grinding down nature. You know, I'm not sure this gets too scared to death, for instance. Yeah. And I, and I agree because, you know, for instance, there's one study that shows an increase in heart attacks after 9-11, but not at the second that you see yeah. kind, of, yeah. kind of the towers falling. It happens during the day later because this, there's a stress buildup. And so one of the, my one of the things that I found on this that I liked the best, which actually shows why this is so confounding, was a study that actually looked at generalized anxiety disorder. Mm-hmm. And they looked at it proactively. So basically, they looked at admissions into clinics in the San Francisco Bay Area in 2000. And they got a bunch of people, a little over a thousand people to enroll in this study. And then they followed them up until 2009 and they just kept track of what was going on and whether they were dying, whether they were having heart attacks, you know, all of this stuff. And it turns out that at the end of the study, if you had generalized anxiety disorder, you were 62% more likely to have died of a heart attack during this period or to have had a heart attack when adjusting for everything else, such as, you know, what's your other health? What are your demographics? You know, all of these sorts of things. So it seems like there is this big confounding variable, um, which is just people who are anxious um, end up often suffering more. But then you get into this whole literature, well, can you actually scare yourself to death, right? Can people be so psychosomatic that right. they're more likely to have heart attacks or something happens just because they believe in it? Um, and someone decided to coin this cool phrase, David Phillips at the University of San Diego, University of California, San Diego, um, called the hound of the Baskervilles effect from Arthur Conan Doyle, sure. where you had sure. the Bas- Holmes. <laughs> exactly, where you had the Baskervilles dying because of the hound, where really they were scared to death because there was no hound of the Baskervilles, but they were so scared of it that they would die of a heart attack. Though Sherlock Holmes is replete with pseudoscience. Absolutely. Like when he first meets Watson, he tells he was from Afghanistan because of the nature of his tan. <laughs> well, he didn't realize that Watson had been eating carrots. <laughs> Call back or possibly pay it forward. Yeah. <laughs> so so um, this guy decided to look at deaths on the fourth day of the month for Chinese and Japanese Americans as opposed to white Americans uh-huh. because apparently in China and Japan, four is a very unlucky number. Yes. So can fearing a number actually cause you to die with increased frequency? And he found an effect. However... Another statistician look at, looked at this data and said, this looks very suspect. Let me redo the analyses. And he said, no, you didn't find an I effect. I trust that second. Yeah. I, it seems so, exactly so, like the kind of so data unfortunately, <laughs> manipulate in that way. So unfortunately, we don't think that you can scare yourself to death in quite that way. Um, but when you're just generally anxious, this is probably going to lead to general increases in stress hormones, which can in turn lead to bad physiological problems, which can in turn lead to your dying prematurely and perhaps having a heart attack. But other things might potentially happen when you're when you're scared too, right? Not just dying. What about what about, you know, your hair turning white suddenly? So what about if dying can't happen, or maybe we've given away the uh, ruling here, what about this? Your hair turns white. Old wives' tale or old accurate wives' tale? So this notion has been around since at least 1800, which was the first documented case of 
someone saying, my hair has suddenly turned white. And the doctor said, oh, this is fascinating. I'm going to write about it. And I don't actually have any evidence except for you saying that your hair suddenly turned white because you were scared, but I'm going to write it up anyway. And standards of publication were a little bit different in 1800. But it actually got a name in 2009. And that name was Marie Antoinette syndrome. So these scientists are actually... Very poetic. You know, we've got the Hound of the Baskervilles effect. We've uh-huh. got Marie Antoinette's syndrome. I didn't know that was supposed to be part of her myth. Because apparently Marie Antoinette's hair turned white the night before she was scheduled to be guillotined. Uh-huh. And apparently this also happened to Sir Thomas More right before he was executed. But he didn't know it was coming. <laughs> that makes no sense. <laughs> well, he was already in the Tower oh. of London. Oh, okay. Yeah, and he knew yeah, he was yeah. going to He knew he was. You know, I was thinking die. of Beckett. You're right. I guess he thought the... The, the cocks were crowing. Okay, I take it back. <laughs> Beckett does that to people. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, so there have been these celebrity cases, shall we call them, right? Marie Antoinette, <laughs> right. <Historic laughs> Thomas More, <laughs> celebrity historic cases of people's hair turning white, or so we think. But no one has ever had it happen to them when we had, you know, cameras and video. No, so so it does it does seemingly happen. There have been documented cases of people's hair, quote unquote turning white. But in any case, so so we have these cases um, and dermatologists and people who study this stuff say, okay, guys, there's just one problem with these cases, which is that hair is dead. Yeah. And so how can something that's dead suddenly change color? And so they propose that instead, there's actually this disorder called alopecia areata, where all of your colored hairs, remaining colored hairs, fall out. Uh-huh. And this can be, it's an autoimmune disease yeah. that can be triggered by stress. Yeah. And so if someone has white hair and non-white hair, yeah. they can lose all of their non-white hair suddenly because of stress, because of this condition becoming activated overnight. And it looks like they actually gray. I was thinking, can your hair fall out because uh, of stress? Yes, it can. Stress, and that's not bullshit. And so you're saying, yes, and if all the hair that falls out is, is pigmented, right? Okay. then all that's left is white. Yeah. And so what I've taken away from it is we have no conclusive proof that this can happen. Um, other How can than, you disprove it, though? That's true. Yeah. Other than the autoimmune disease, yeah. which makes total sense. Right. To me, you know, if if the if all the hair that is pigmented suddenly falls out, yeah. it might really look like your hair turned white. All right. So let's go one by one. Can you be scared to death? Is that bullshit? No, no. I mean, we we have no evidence that you can actually be scared to death. However, especially if your heart is sick or you're prone to kind of heart attacks, you can have a heart attack in conditions of heightened stress, which yeah. might be caused by a scare. All right. Can your hair turn white from a scare? Um, no, that seems to be bullshit. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. I thought you were trending to, well, we don't know. You're right. That's what we call bullshit on this show. There seems to be no evidence. Some guy said he saw it in 1950. Yeah. So unless you have a very rare autoimmune disease, yeah. um, which can be brought on late in life by stress, then no, your hair is not going to turn white yeah, overnight. Yeah, that alopecia thing. All right, Maria Konnikova is the author of The Confidence Game. She plays Is That Bullshit with us. She is a fine assessor of uh, adult penguin costumes everywhere. Thank you, Maria. Thank you so much, Mike. And now the spiel. Last night's baseball game lasted 5 hours, 17 minutes. In that amount of time, you could watch all of season 1 or 2 or even season 3 of Seinfeld. Season 3 had 23 episodes, 22 minutes each. You could listen to 8 of Beethoven's 9 symphonies and still get through the ba-ba-ba-ba part of the ninth. 
I'm not saying that last night's baseball game was long, but enlisted men in Vietnam started calling the war our game five of the 2017 World Series. It was hailed as epic, but so are most tales of long wars that don't end. My biggest problem was this. For the World Series, we are literally doubling down and pledging $20,000 per home run and $2 per tweet. Spread the word. That was John Lejeure, CEO of T-Mobile. And that ad ran four times during Saturday's World Series game. And four times Fox announcer Joe Buck voiced this plug. Now you can do your part to help break $2 million and tweet or retweet. Hashtag HR4HR and T-Mobile will donate another $2 every single time. The money that T-Mobile is raising for hurricane relief will help people. The charity that they're using, Team Rubicon, is staffed by veterans. It's rated A- by Charity Watch. Seems like good charity. And the other ads during the World Series are for things like Pizza Hut and Budweiser, which aren't good for you in any way. Uh, In Budweiser's case specifically, just speaking of usage and statistics, someone who heard the ad is going to drink a Budweiser and wrap their car around the utility pole. So that's not really good. That's not societally beneficial. So why does the T-Mobile ad bother me so much? It's because it's part of this phenomenon called cause marketing. And cause marketing is leveraging human sympathy for the greater glory of a brand. In a way, this is how almost all charity works. People don't give because they're altruistic. That's kind of a rare motivation. Generally, people give to charity in order to get credit for being charitable. What does every society lady in the society pages attending this or that gala want? What do they really want? They want the eradication of illiteracy, shingles, adult onset diabetes. Sure, yeah, they'll take that. But of course, they also want their brands, which is to say their names, to be associated with a good cause. And cause marketing on a corporate scale is no different. Come on, Mike. You can't dispute that this is real money going to hurricane relief. On Saturday, you heard the numbers that Joe Buck cited. T-Mobile's home runs for hurricane recovery donations are over $1,030,000. Well, on Sunday's game, final score 13-12, the teams combined for seven home runs. That game alone raised $140,000. $140,000 that the people who were affected by hurricanes didn't have. That's true. That's all true. However, and these stats are all from Saturday. I couldn't keep the stats on Sunday's game because my DVR only holds 150 hours of recording capacity. But on Saturday, T-Mobile aired four ads touting hurricane relief. And there were four host plugs like the one you heard from Joe Buck. And there are a few other T-Mobile ads, not about charity, but about coverage area and pixels and stuff like that. The cost of an ad during the World Series is half a million dollars. So T-Mobile took out, I don't know, three or four million dollars worth of ads to tell us they're donating one or two million dollars. That was just in one game. This series goes seven games. T-Mobile will spend, conservatively, 20 million dollars to tell us about the two to three million dollars they gave away. Oh, and what about that part about texting to HR for HR, they'll donate $2 to hurricane relief. That's great, but read the fine print on the screen. That is all capped at $500,000. They may have hit that number two games ago, but they're still telling us about their donations. And that is how cause marketing works. I shouldn't feel disappointed. I shouldn't feel deceived. I shouldn't even feel lied to. It's right there in the name. The cause is marketing.
And that's it for today's show that just was produced by Dan Schrader, who got so surprised a couple years ago that One Direction was splitting up that his unibrow bifurcated. Mary Wilson, just producer, was so shocked by the cancellation of House of Cards that her eyebrow momentarily raised by a quarter of a centimeter. If you watch closely, you can see it. Steve Lichtai is executive producer of Slate Podcast. Have you seen the guy? Dude watched a lot of Scooby-Doo as a kid. Always thought until the last possible minute. Well, that one's a real ghost. There's no way it's the groundskeeper. That, oh, my God. The groundskeeper. The gist. The latest revelations. Mark Halperin, Bill O'Reilly, Harvey Weinstein. I'm not saying they're not surprising, but I have gone from totally bald to having to decide between a mullet and a pompadour. Oomperu, dapperu, dupperu, and thanks for listening. <laughs>